Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm super excited, except I forgot to say, um, to practice your last name. So let me just see, hopefully I don't butcher it. Um, I'm joined yeah, by my friend, Evan Horschmeyer. Horschmeyer, yeah, good job. Well, I know, it's intimidating. And I have Jackson here today because it's no school, and so he, we came and he's super nervous and... So he shows a little bit. You can say hi to us over in the chat if you are new. You can let us know where you're from, and that will be helpful for all of us. So, Devin, give us a little bit of bleh, Give us a little bit about your background and um, when you knew you were going to be a designer. When you fell in love with design. Okay. Well, I grew up kind of always drawing and doing art, but really had no clue what design was about. On my freshman year of high school. Um, a, a, a woman I babysat for was like, you should consider design. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm a freshman. So I don't, who cares about what I'm going to, what I'm going to do in college. I just didn't know. But then in college, I was looking for um, classes to take for my electives. And there was a fundamentals of graphic design and kind of recalled that conversation that I'd had with this person I was babysitting for. I was like, well, let me just give this a try and fell in love with it. Um, that was my sophomore year um, at Miami of Ohio and just loved the idea that it was a rational way of art. Like I've always struggled with having a blank piece of paper or a canvas in front of me and not knowing what yeah. to do with it. But as soon as I got into design, there were goals and objectives and parameters and I fell in love. So it's kind of like I, I dove in right there and I've never really looked back. So. <laughs> It was very similar like that for me. So I, I find it really, because it's like it design gave us the groundwork. We could do it if somebody just said, hey, I have a problem. So it was really a lot of enjoying problem solving instead of just enjoying making marks. Yeah. I actually find a lot of freedom in the constraints. Mm. Uh, most artists don't want to be hindered, and I find it like a fascinating, fun challenge. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So, hey, everybody over at Cliff and Joe and Mara and my mom and Fabio. So, um, super excited to have everybody in Jackson. wants to go that way, I guess. All right. So, um, started early. So, what was like your, what has been your career path? What has that kind of looked like? Can you take us like from graduating, where you graduated from and then... Um, yeah. I went, to, I went to college at Miami University, which is in, in Ohio, not in Florida, even though I'm in Florida now. Um, and when I graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts, I moved to Orlando to work for a nonprofit Christian ministry now called Crew, used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. Mm -hmm. And I spent, um, oh, eight years, five, six, I don't know, too long. No, it was good. It was a great time uh, designing actually, for this ministry in their headquarters, which is here in Orlando. Oh, I have a question. Yeah. Because I didn't know you did that. So <laughs> I met somebody else at Creative South, Kevin. Kevin on the Jesus Film Project? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I did not know that you had – did you also have to, like, raise your support? I did. I spent, I spent a year um, living with my parents after I graduated from college, raising support and – um, meeting with people I've never met before in my entire life and basically saying, here's what I'm going to do. Here's why I'm going to use design um, to impact college students. And, um, and then after a year, like I'd raised, and I spent the next, let's see, 2002 to six years. So six years raising support and living entirely on a supported salary and designing for them at headquarters as well. It's hard. It's like having two full-time jobs, but it really is now because I have several full-time jobs based on what I do professionally and personally. So, um, but the connections were amazing and it taught me so much about not, um, what's the word, not being afraid to talk to people. I, had, I mean, cold calls, total cold calls to complete strangers. Right. And uh, it was definitely a challenge, but. That's cool. That's cool. So, all right. So, take us back. So, you actually, again, you raised your salary to support you to do that in that ministry to mm -hmm. be a designer. 
Yeah, and then when I left staff with Crew, I worked for a real estate company for about six months, got laid off because it was 2008, right, when everything kind of blew up. Um, then went and just kind of floated for a bit and landed a job at Wycliffe Bible Translators, another nonprofit organization. This time got paid, was paid, not, not like supported staff, um, which was a whole new ball game for me, kind of a fun new experience to be able to focus just on design and not having to raise um, money to do that. And then I spent six years with them and made a jump into the healthcare industry and worked for Florida Hospital Medical Group for about a year and a half. And then you did some really hilarious stuff with your team. So yes. were you a designer at all these places or when did you start being art director? So at Wycliffe, I had the opportunity to go from graphic designer, senior designer and worked my way up to art director. Um, and oversaw the design team there for a while before I made the jump to Florida Hospital Medical Group where I was creative manager um, with them for about a year, for the year and a half. And then wanted to try agency work. So I jumped off the board there and went and worked for a small agency. Um, and it was exciting and fun to work for various clients because all this time I was still doing freelance but on the side too. Because when you work in in-house, it just feels very narrow. Um, so I freelanced while working in-house. So going to agency was a fun challenge, trying to then balance the needs of all these different clients. Um, but after about six to eight months, we just I just didn't gel quite with, right with the agency. And this Were was you just art director there. I was an art director at the okay. agency, and this was just like May June, and we just kind of parted ways because it was just going to be better. And I did contracting, so I was on my own. For, for several months until about a month ago where I went back in house and now work for the golf channel as um, senior graphic designer. Do you play golf? I love golf. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Grew up on a golf course. My dad's an avid golfer. So yeah, when they asked you that question, like, why do you want to work for golf channel? And I was like, uh, because golf channel is like the place for golf. I mean, be no brainer. That's awesome. <laughs> That would have been terrible had you not ever played golf. There are several people at the Golf Channel, surprisingly, who don't play golf and who have never played golf. So I guess it works. So yeah, I guess there's something for everybody. Yeah. So, but now at Golf Channel, that's a different kind of. So, started out in nonprofit, went nonprofit, and then went to healthcare. And yeah. then healthcare to agency work was a big jump, a big difference in in how the you went from in-house to a different kind of setting, right? Yeah, different type of in-house. Healthcare was a whole new beast. Um, we marketed for the doctors in the healthcare system, and so doctors are divas, um, and everybody wants they they all think they know how to market too, which is an interesting, fun thing. Uh, plus, a huge corporation the the medical system healthcare system that I worked for as opposed to the nonprofit which was big but it still had a lot more um, authority and autonomy and had had really spent six years gaining the trust of everyone in that organization so then to go to healthcare and just feel like I'm one of tens of thousands was in, in was interesting so uh, so when you go um, change kind of um, really what you're doing as well as so you you there must be some sort of when you take step it may it's like a lateral move it's not necessarily a step back but you are mm -hmm. having to learn because it's a tv as i'm sure a whole new ball game but it yeah. was like how so, title wise like i'm i'm really ambitious and incredibly tenacious and so i'm trying not to get hung up on titles even though i kind of grew up in a family where your title matters um so just trying to kind of i don't know how we as designers climb that ladder but i'm trying to figure out how not to be concerned about it and just kind of float and go where my career takes me but here at the golf channel now having gone from a creative manager to an art director and now i'm back down it's kind of like i've gone up title wise and now i'm taking kind of a step backwards but it's a whole new industry i've never designed for sports entertainment i've never designed in a television and like I walk around the office now and there's literally a television studio on the other side of my wall and I see all these on-air personalities and I'm just in awe 
the fact that I, this is what I do now. It's awesome. But there is a lot of learning curve. And so sometimes you have to, to go move forward or to try something. And that is the beauty about design is that we have a really big industry and that we can do, uh, if you get bored or in one area and you don't want to do web anymore and you want to do something else, then there are other areas to go into. And there's a lot of other, um, there's a lot of other, other paths to navigate. And I feel like now you've taken that other path. What other paths have you taken that have really felt like good fits, but you just needed to grow more and the place you were at couldn't grow any further? Well, going from healthcare to agency was definitely one of those moves. I wanted the challenge of bouncing from client to client on a daily basis as opposed to being fully invested in, in one main client. Um, I see the pros and cons on both sides now, having worked on both sides. Um, but it was um, it, the agency life was was fun and good fit for me that particular agency i went and contracted after i left the agency i'd been working for i went and contracted for another agency and they were a much much better fit for me in the way that they worked um and they're they're functioning so. so i think this is a question further down but how do you find what's a good fit like how do you know and i i would think it's sometimes really difficult in an interview process to really get you what who you are across and yeah. then what the company culture to ask the right questions. I, I spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time researching the right questions to ask in an interview. Before I go into any interview, I have my list of what's your company culture like? What's your uh, management style like? Who, do, who would I be answering to? How do you um, judge success? What's your professional development situation? Um, just really trying to do my best to glean what things would be like at a company. And it's difficult. It's still, a lot of it is a leap of faith and kind of just a, a crapshoot to see if it's going to work. Um, the real estate company that I worked for for six months was a, an awful fit. Like I'm so glad I got laid off from that place. Um, but I now know where I don't want to work. So and I, and I don't think then I kind of knew to answer, to ask a lot of those questions too. Like I showed up on the first day and they showed me to my desk and there was a PC on my desk, which I'm, I'm, I'm a Mac, not a PC. So I was like, oh, maybe I should have asked about this. Maybe this is something I should have learned to, to ask more about. So now I... Because a lot of times we'll assume it's a Mac. And right, especially when you're going for a design position. And I know that's not always the case, and a lot of people do great work on a PC, but it's a much bigger learning curve for me because it's not what I'm used to working on. Right. So. so, all right. So then, so in the beginning, so take us through some goals. Like you said you were driven, very tenacious, which you are, and you have a, a great personality. Like I love hanging out with you. And you just, you have a lot of energy. Um, and I just feel like you take like one of the, I was kind of thinking that we would call this like, it feels like this year's you've been like punch, but you're not knocked out. You know, it's like, you just keep rolling like, okay, well this comes, I know something else is going to take the, my place, you know, something, you know, something else is going to come out in a good way. And like, you just really are a hard worker. Um, and so there's so many things that I, I love about you, but I know goals change, right? So were you always like when you took the job with Campus Crusade, were you like, I'm going to be blah, blah? No, when I, when I joined staff of Campus Crusade, my goal was to use my talents and skills and design to make a bigger impact, um, to serve with my talents. That was my goal coming out of school. Uh, money wasn't really a focus. Um, but then as years kind of went on and I've been getting older, I'm like, oh, money? money matters. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. Like one of my goals now is to continue to incrementally make more money as I can because my needs are changing as I get older and my family and my life situations change. Um, so that goal definitely has changed from when I graduated school till now. Um, but in a way you still serve with your talents by with AIGA, like that is still really evident and really important in 
in what you do as a designer, you're still serving, but you yeah. also know that you need, you're mm -hmm. not going to compromise um, the ramen noodles, right? <laughs> for a real I don't, I don't want to survive on ramen anymore. That's for sure. Right. To save for retirement and, you know, do very adult things. But yeah, I definitely still serve. I think I've been given talents and skills to be used for a much bigger purpose. And so I try to live every day and kind of take every job um, or situation knowing that that's, that's kind of, that's what motivates me. That's my MO. So, so how have life goals or career goals changed with some of these other jobs? So after crusade, then you went for another nonprofit and then, so can you kind of take us through some, cause I feel like that's part of growing up, right? Yeah. So when I worked for, when I came out and worked for the, the second nonprofit, again, it was a service oriented situation, but it's like, all right, let's make some money. Let's make money. And then I went and worked for healthcare and it's like, Oh, I need to make more money. So it was kind of that jump and it was a benefit of being able to learn a new industry. Um, and then it's, I can't say that I've taken every job because of money at all. That's not been the case. Even now I've really wrestled with that. Um, but it's, Oh, and also a learn, like a learning ultimately my goal. And I, I'm not as far as ambitious as I am. I'm not a planner. I've never had, I mean, I'm a planner in my day-to-day -day life, but in terms of like life goals, I, I never had like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or here's what my career is going to look like and here's what I'm going to achieve. It's been very much just rolling with it and seeing what comes. Um, I've never turned down an interview. Even if I knew I didn't want to work for the company, I still went because there were times when they surprised me. Um, I, I just look for every opportunity as well to, to learn and grow. So like right now, Golf Channel, title-wise, and in what I'm doing, I'm used to a more managerial leadership type role, and that's not what I have right now, but I'm learning. I'm but, learning. You, but you also have a huge um, leadership with AIGA, so you're kind of getting those needs met in other places, so you feel like you can, because you're, cause you're the president, right, of okay. AIGA, yeah. or, okay, past. Yeah. But you, for two years, you were the president of AIGA Orlando, right? So I'm currently the co-president of AIGA oh, Orlando oh. with uh, someone you're talking to in a couple of weeks or months or whatever. Um, but I've been president with AIGA for six years now. Um, six? Yeah. <laughs> so I took on the presidency here in the chapter. And the chapter was um, kind of just treading water. And so it was an opportunity for me to really grow in leadership skills and people skills and work with an incredible board to really change what we're doing in our creative community and break down walls and just help things thrive and grow. And it is, it's, it's amazing to watch. So yes, to your point, I get a lot of that um, outlet of wanting to be in a leadership role through my involvement with AIGA. So, all right. So, because if you weren't, you might have kept looking for a position that had some of that. If you weren't getting that met, that may be something that right. you wouldn't have been able to, um, it wouldn't have been something you would have been able to compromise about probably. Yeah, definitely. It's like when I was working for Wycliffe and needed a creative outlet, I would freelance. I think a lot of in-house designers should do that if they're not doing it um, just to help keep yourself fresh. Um, so there's, but it's also having a creative, I read a, a medium post today by Bethany Heck actually, where she was saying, you, you have to not look at a job like it's going to fulfill all of your mm. creative wants and needs. You're there to make money and do a job and kind of trade off with a company and you can have your creative outlets in other places. And I think that's so true. Um, I think that. I think you had a question on the list about attitude. I think that that completely fits in with having that attitude of no job's going to be 100% fulfilling all the time. It doesn't matter whether you work for yourself or work for a company, any type of company, agency, in-house, what. never going to be great 100% of the time. Right. So how would you go about getting freelance work when you were at some of these other companies? Um, a lot of it was 
word of mouth. I didn't do any self-promotion. Um, it, it's just been through building connections um, with friends, former classmates, um, former coworkers who have moved on to new things, just kind of keeping me in mind. Um, so I haven't, haven't gone out to really sell myself from a freelance perspective. It's just, but it's you know. by telling people, friends, that you were willing to do freelance or, hey, I'm looking, or it's just being available, right? Instead right. of like completely turning that out of your personal or, right? Yeah, when I, when I left um, the agency in May and just was, didn't have anything else lined up, needed to find another job, but through my connections with people in town and just by who knows what, like, you know of anybody who needs work, you need this. It was very much a, I'm open and available. Um, send, send me what you got kind of thing. And it worked out. I was never without work, even though, like, when I first went and left the full-time gig, it was scary. I didn't know what I was going to do for income. I have a car payment. I have rent. I need food. Um, but I just kind of, it, it just worked out. Having one contracting after another, having freelance, work constantly and was constantly coming in um so and it was getting yeah just word of mouth i'm available let me know if you've got anything I'm just spreading that word right so how do you think um attitude has played a role with some of your more um with clients or maybe with harder situations at work how have you kept um being positive because sometimes it's a it can be really overwhelming like oh my goodness you just feel like everybody's hitting you from every position right um I can't say I do it well <laughs> there are some days where I will whine and complain because my attitude is just not great um but it's when I worked with Wycliffe, when I first started working with Wycliffe, I, it, it was a struggle. Everything looked the same. Every project that was handed my way, didn't matter what it was, all had to have the same, same elements, same typefaces. Even now at the Golf Channel, there's one, I get to use one typeface. That's it. Like everything has to look the same. But I guess it's just a matter of spinning your head into thinking, okay, you could really get down on this and whine that I only have one typeface to use, or you could look at it as a challenge and say, how do I add something fresh in the midst of these really, really tight? I like constraints, but these are really, really tight constraints. How do I make it feel different? Um, so I don't have any brilliant formula. I think it's something, it's a head game. Yeah. You kind of just don't let it get you down and like, okay, I'm going to take this as a challenge, right? Yeah. Or if things are not great at work, like there's, there's so many jobs I've had where I struggle to get up in the morning because I'm like, I don't want to go, but you can't, you have to, you have to make that money. Yeah, you, <laughs> you do. To pay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So what about working with freelance clients? Do you ever have, how does attitude play a role there? I've had a couple of challenging freelance clients who, one, I've had great clients and then I've had clients who tell me how to design, um, which is not fun to do, right? Um, so it's, I think it's a, a learning what you can, how to, how to handle people, how to be tactful, how to stand up for yourself in a way that's still humble um, and not to be too aggressive. I don't know. I think that that's a, a good sign of a good leader too, is that you know how to be humble. And when I was giving you praise for one of your uh, pieces that's in your portfolio, that's just hilarious. You totally, what a great leader. You're like, it was really a whole team. It was terrific. And the people who were, you know, in the photo shoots were just great. Like that you were totally giving praise and you, sh you share that instead of like, yes, it was my idea. <laughs> yeah. No, that's I can terrific. take credit for things that are not, no, not all me. And I'm not even, nothing is all me, no matter what, whether it's a piece of work that I've done at a job, it's probably been a zillion different hands that have touched it and writers with copy and marketing people. But 
Um, and even even with AIGA, like our chapters blown up. That's I I gave people I think the confidence to do what needed to be done in this community and just kind of cheer was a cheerleader. But that wasn't I mean the growth in our chapter and how things have changed is not because of me, because of everybody else involved. So. So Joe from Baltimore, maybe you know Joe, right? For AIGA Baltimore, Joe. Yeah. So he says, um, I think you make a great point about constraints. As web de as a web designer, I've noticed that when I have those constraints, it's almost like a game to see how best I can create within my limitation. But when I have no limits, it's almost like a paralysis of analysis and he doesn't know where to start. And it does feel like that. Like I yes. it, it is a gift to be able to look at a blank and be like, I know exactly without any like guidance from a client. Um, uh, yeah. And that's, that's not me. I'm like, give me, give me something to work with. <laughs> like, like, what do you want to say? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you on that. Like the students that I have that are like, I just wish you would give me a project and didn't have any, it didn't tell me what to do. And I'm like, Really? That sounds like torture. <laughs> it's also not the real world if you're going to be in design too. So, so let's talk a little bit about AIGA and how how you got to that leadership stage. And so, if AIGA Orlando when you started was kind of more just treading water, how would somebody if they were in their AIGA chapter or a, another creative kind of um, outlet yeah, chapter or something, a group, um, how would they? Um, get to get involved or and how did you do it so I just started showing up um, there were a few things happening through AIGA Orlando um, but our chapter the people unfortunately our board was had been in the board for a long time they were tired and you they hadn't really been able to hand off the chapter to anyone new and so I just started coming and they're like, you want to join the board? So it was kind of a, a you're around, you you're awesome. How about you just start come like just come join the board? And I was like, all right. So I think how, I was. How old were you? Like, uh, I mean, how far were you in your career? This was this was eight years ago when I started showing up, and then I took on more of a like programming type role where I was helping to get some socials and some events on board. and it was great because once I was on the board I felt this ability to um, reach out to my design heroes and be like do you want to come to town do you want to uh, be a guest blogger like be a guest host on our blog so it, it like gave me the freedom almost to reach out to people I wouldn't normally just hit up um, and then with, within the next year or two, somebody was just like, I nominate Devin for president. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Nobody else wants to do it. I'll be the sucker. But it's a lot of responsibility. So how did you know that that was going to be a good a fit? Because clearly six years and now you're on another two with a co-president. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll roll out in June, and Victor, my co-president, will stay on, um, and I'll probably still stay on in in some capacity. I'm also acting as our treasurer right now, too, um, so I'll probably still do that so that someone can own the money in our chapter and free up everybody to do all the other fun things. Um, I didn't know. I had no idea what I was doing. There was There was no manual. There were no instructions. Um, and so I just said yes. And then all of a sudden, like I had AIGA national, like your affiliation requirements are outdated and you're not up to enough. Just like, what did I get myself into? Cause all of a sudden I'm filing taxes and filling out in a report to send back to national and like doing all these things that hadn't been done in years for our chapter. Um, so I just kind of hacked my way through it and. But it's you being responsible and you taking the reins instead of just pushing it off and then you kind of showing people how to do it because I think that's one of the really good things that I saw from Orlando that your chapter is that everybody feels kind of like they are a, a part of it and it's not like, oh, well, we're just going to give it to Devin and she'll do it. But it was like, 
it looked like it was really a strong group that you guys all kind of leaned on. Yeah, the the board, the, the creative community here in Orlando itself is just amazing. And to think um, the only thing I've been able to offer is a sense of operations and process. Um, being able to document how much we're spending and where did that money go and how do we, how do we find a venue and just trying to get some mm. guidelines going so people know how to do those things um, are kind of all that I did only because I had to figure it out for myself too. And we've had great people to ask, like the previous board, pre previous presidents are still around, still great friends and great connections. So being able to kind of lean on them to ask a lot of our questions too um, was incredibly helpful. Uh, and then just, I think, I think a lot of us just need cheerleaders. Mm. And so once you think all you've got to do as a leader is tell somebody they can and that they should and let them take it on and do the rest. Mm. Um, I love that. That's super smart. So, I know that you've also interviewed people, you've been a manager, you've helped people get to that next stage in their career. So what do you think are some things that you have gleaned and you've learned from? Now you told us some about, hey, I should have asked if it was a Mac or a PC and what about the company culture? But what kind of things maybe would you look for if you were hiring someone in some of the positions that you've been in? Yeah, I've always looked for somebody who um, felt at ease Showing, showing me their work and um, had a sense of confidence, but not arrogance. It's, it's all about kind of how they present themselves. If you, if you, if a person came in and were just, it was really nonchalant, then it was like, well, are you sure you want to be here? Um, are you sure you want to be designing like this, 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 this industry, this is cutthroat. There are a lot of designers out there, and there are a lot of designers that are a lot better than you, a lot better than me. And I don't, none of us have time or ability to just take a back seat and hope that things happen. I don't care. Like, you just can't. Um, so I think that was one of some, been some of the things as I've been interviewing people that I kind of watch for, like professionalism. How did you come dress for success? I might be wearing jeans as your interviewer, but you probably should not be wearing jeans. <laughs> well, and it depends on where you're working and if you know that company culture already. I think so, but I still, like, there have been agencies and things that I've shown up at, and they're all in jeans and T-shirts. And one interview I walked in, the dude was wearing shorts and, a, and a, a white undershirt, and I was still dressed in, in my best, in my finest, like, dress, jacket, all that, because I, I take what I do very seriously and I want people to know that um, and to take me seriously when I show up at the table. So if I'm, if I'm overdressed, I'd rather be overdressed for an interview than underdressed. Well, and also I think it's how you would dress up for the nicest client that you could possibly, it's like, that's what you're saying. And I do think overdressed is better for sure. <laughs> um, one thing I've seen, and I don't know if, as you guys do AIGA portfolio reviews and stuff like that, but one thing I've seen with my students um, is sometimes like they'll wear something that's maybe a little lower than they should, or they have like a cheetah print bra and they didn't realize I could see through their black shirt and they wore a cheetah print bra. Like, yeah. like those are things that I'm like, huh. Yeah. Like, where are you going after this? You know, or is this like Tuesday's bra, you know? Uh, so I do think like you should have someone like really um, that's not one of your friends tell you, oh yeah, you look awesome. Like, cause going for an interview is different than going for, um, <laughs> Joe says he's wearing a cheetah print bra right now. Good call. Um, it is a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like those are things that we don't, I mean, as a teacher, it's a little odd to yeah. talk. To somebody like, hey, that bra. Oh, you. You're you're most likely walking into an interview place, even if you do know the people you're interviewing with. I've interviewed for a job where I did know the people in the room, but I you still 
you have to act like they don't know you and you're not friends in that moment. You're potential coworkers or colleagues or managers. So you have to really take that into consideration. How are you presenting yourself? Shoot a brawl, hanging out, like what are they going to, that's the perception that you're putting out there. Because people are going to judge you. We're, we're judgy people. Like, you could say we're not, but we are, right? So, But if you would wear that to an interview, if you thought this was the nicest thing you had and I can see through your shirt, uh-oh. You yeah. know, like, what, what would you wear on, like, a lax day, sort of? You know, that's what I kind of think. casual Friday look like? <laughs> it's just your pajamas, and that might be a little too much. Right? Yeah. As we're, so. as we're talking about this and my dog's here, doing his own thing um <laughs> all right so when you when you meet a new freelance client um do you think of that as like an interview a lot of my freelance clients have been people that i know and when they're not people i know it's kind of happens. my interaction with them happens online um so it's it's a bit different if it's not they've pretty much probably seen my work they've had a referral from somebody um, but again, I think it's, you take it seriously, show, show what you've got and prove that you can do the work and provide samples of what they're, you know, similar to what they're asking for. So they see that you can do the work. Um, we have to constantly sell ourselves as designers because there's always going to be somebody else who can right. do it better. And so like when you, and I don't know if, if I do, I sometimes will do things like this with clients. I'll do join me where they can see my screen, especially if we're doing something on a website and I'm trying right. to show them something or whatever. Oh, he has such a pretty profile though, right? I know. I <laughs> I mean, he's like not even looking at anybody. Like he's just <laughs> looking out the window. Um, but I am a little um, biased, I think. Anyway, so uh, but like, like I always try to have – you know, something that, I mean, I, you know, try to be professional, even if it's just in, um, I mean, I wear a lot of hoodies or, you know, jackets, but like th those are things I think co sometimes confidence just comes out in how you're speaking, even if you're not doing, if it's on the phone and they can't mm -hmm. see you. So I think sometimes people have, um, they do different techniques. Do you have any do you so I did a lot of people online? phone interviews for companies, and um, I think, and I dress up. I I put on, you know, my my jacket and everything, just because it's kind of made me feel mm -hmm. the way that I needed to present myself, even over the phone. And that, I mean, phone interviews were challenging, especially when it's like long distance. I interviewed for a company long distance, and I just didn't know. I'd need more practice because I just didn't know how to lead them through my portfolio to kind of give them a put my portfolio um, presentation via the phone was because you you don't know what they're looking at right like, at the end of your portfolio and you're still on the first piece and it was definitely but dressing for that having that attitude then of um, I'm going to present myself this way so yeah. I talked to somebody who said they always wear nice dress business socks. And no matter what, that always makes them feel like they are more professional. Whoa, man, don't step on the keyboard. <laughs> He's going to disconnect us. Yeah. He's like, I'm done with this. Um, <laughs> you people are boring. <laughs> well, he can't hear it. You know, maybe it'd be. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So. Um, when, as you're talking to freelance, because I actually think that's a really good point that you said earlier about being in, uh, in a, in house, you don't get all your creativity met. So having those freelance um, clients or doing some side projects, which I know you have as well. But when you're taking on, um, if somebody just saw your work and they kind of wanted to know more and know how you could fit into what they were doing. What kind of stories do you tell them? Do you have anything that you, um, like your case studies that you talk about? Like, um, do you, what do you share with them to kind of pull them into your? Yeah, I do my best anytime I show any work or I'm talking to anybody to really draw on the projects that I've done that I can kind of do more of a case study chat through of here, here's the problem. 
here were the challenges, um, here's the research that was done or how we went about doing the project and why it looks this way, really talking through the rationale of anything and then if there were any goals met. I think a lot of times as designers we don't get to, we don't benefit, we don't actually hear the results of the work that we're putting out there. So I, I and I know that's true for me, um, so I do my best to try to wrap it up showing like why this solution worked, what goals were achieved. Um, uh, being in-house, I have a, a real marketing type mind, I think, too, just really looking for those goals and uh, what worked and what didn't, having that case study approach. So it's all, it is all story-based, too. Like, here's how, here's how I can help you because here's how I helped this person doing that, this. So have you ever found, like, sometimes, like, a lot of my freelance clients, they come, I have to go back to them and say, hey, how did that go? How was, how effective was that piece? Because they're not coming back to you. I mean, they're coming back to you next time for their next project. But now that they finished that project or that presentation or that pitch, now they're, like, working on their work because they've just gotten work. But sometimes it's, like, for us to go in and say, hey, how did that, how did that do? Because that, it doesn't feel like a natural thing. A lot of people come back because we're not part of the marketing team sometimes yeah. unless we're are on the marketing team. But how do you do that? Like, cause that seems like something you've been really good at. I, I do my best. I freelance clients. I don't follow up with nearly as much as I should to ask what the results of the, of the project were like, what, what did they achieve? Did they hit the numbers um, working in house? Uh, and I didn't do this very well with the healthcare company I was with, but I actually went back to them recently and said, hey, we did these, this ad campaign, we did these, these, all these, all this work. Do you have the numbers? Like, I think a lot of times as designers, we forget to ask for the quantitative results of the work that we put out there. And yet when we're going to talk to another potential client or another potential uh, employer numbers are what matter whether or not it looks pretty or why it looks great is I mean we have to speak to that we have to have the reason why we made the decisions we did in the design um, because that's that's our job but um, there's a lot of, I've been hired by marketing managers who aren't designers so they don't they don't really care why you made it green instead of blue they want to know what what number how much money did it bring in right how many things how many appointments were made those sorts of things so it's it's our job to find out ask those questions after the fact and i've done a horrible job at it but i'm like trying to get there now because i know that that's i mean that's where i'm at in my career is knowing that this is really what's going to sell right and it is really important and i feel like if we don't if we don't talk if we don't as a leader you tell people to do this it's like if we don't remind people and if we don't like put it in our own thing like a week after the the project launched or you know a month after the project launch to see how effective it is i think that those things are it depends on who you're looking at but building those case studies is just as important as having great pieces in your portfolio i think I think so. We're, we're in the business of making money. Doesn't like whether making money for other people, getting paid so we can pay our bills. Um, but ultimately design is meant to engage and make dollars at some, in some form or fashion. So we kind of have to know that that's the motivation of anybody we're talking to, whether it's freelance client or, or a potential employer. So um, how would you do that as an art director? Because sometimes then you're not designing. You're actually helping. There's a couple things you're doing. Hopefully you're helping people find their creative like fit. Mm -hmm. And you're also helping companies make money. And you're getting them, the, the designers, to do the work that's going to make the difference. How do you, how do you kind of quantify that for an employer? Um, Future employer, you know, in an uh, I think you, it's always about asking questions, but as, as an art director, uh, I have done my best, I think, to ask, it's all about questions. Like when I, we talked about interviewing and what do you do in an interview, I ask a lot of questions. 
I, in a job or with a client, I ask a lot of questions. I really want to know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And so I think setting that example for any designer that you're art directing is mm -hmm. beneficial. And then I also will question designers on their choices. Why, why did you center align all your text or, um, just really trying to, to get, get that dialogue going, I think is so important. Um, but then as an art director over designers, it's sort of, it's, it's my job then to, to not only present great work as a united front to our end user, probably our marketing people, but, um, then to show them, to show my designer, look, I'm asking these questions, like you should be the example, ask these questions for yourself later too. So, right. So Joe asked, um, what types of questions, which is really, uh, we kind of talked a, bit, a little bit about getting your personality on an interview, but what types of questions do you think are most important in a job interview versus when dealing with clients? Um, well, you're, you're not going to ask a client what their company culture is like. In an interview, I, I always try to get a sense of what, what does it look like? What's your day-to-day what's -day routine? How, do you, how are you going to judge successfulness? Um, how are you going to manage me? That's how, super important. How do they judge success? Yeah. Great question for clients. Um, what else do I ask? That it's what, what's your typical day? Like these are the sorts of things you're not, you're not going to ask a, a client for, for a freelance job. You're going to ask a client for a freelance job. Well, who's your, who are your competitors and how do you see yourself positioned in, in your marketplace? And, um, what how is this being used where is this being used how how often i mean you, just all those will you ask a client what's their budget for a piece i have on occasion i but i don't do it very often i do get a, some of those people who are you know give you the the rundown this will be great exposure and we can't pay you much and i would but there are people I'm, I've totally been underpaid for jobs and freelance jobs. And I'm okay with that when it's my choice because mm -hmm. I want to do that job for that person or I'm big on helping in ministry and, and mission stuff. So I've done a lot of that work way underpaid um, because I know it's going to a, a bigger cost. It's fulfilling my need to use my talents um, for, for a greater cause. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I don't think, in my experience at least, asking for the budget doesn't really get me very far. Um, so, I, I feel like, I feel like when, because I, I just figure on different clients have different needs and also different clients know about our industry and some don't. Mm -hmm. So, I had somebody um, tell me they needed a logo and I told them what my price was. And they came back and they were like, well, I got it for $200 and I got 50 business cards. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's awesome. Good for you. But that would not have been what I would have given you. Right. I gotten really anything for $200. So, I mean, it's not, a, I, and I kind of felt like she was like, see, this is what I got. And I was like, well, okay. You know, I, yeah. I know what you got for $200, right? Like. <laughs> Well, and it might have been great design because I think there's a lot of people out there who do really great design. So, I mean, we want to say you get what you pay for, but sometimes you do get really great work and you didn't pay for it. But you also could have built a relationship with me on an ongoing basis and we could have really had a partnership, uh, but you just dropped $200 for a logo and a business card for someone you may never have a connection to it. I don't know. There's all kinds of different scenarios and situations. But. Right. Right. It just is funny. You know, I feel like asking for uh, or telling people what your uh, budget is. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you have that on your website. I don't think I saw that. Um, but, you know, I, some people say it's like, it'll be five to $10,000. And I'm like, man, that's going to scare away a lot of the people that I usually have. Cause, yeah. um, because I do think I work with people and I don't know if that's a, it's just the type of businesses that I do business with mm -hmm. or, or what, but I sometimes will ask what they 
what how many business cards they're planning on getting for you know what how much they plan on paying for mm -hmm. the printing services because I feel like sometimes they have they're like well I thought like twenty five dollars and I'm like how many did you want like three <laughs> you know yeah. So I feel like sometimes that gives you an idea, even if you're not talking about what your budget is for my pay, what your budget is for the printing. The end product, make sure it's realistic that you're going to even be able to get what you want or need out of the situation. Yeah, it's definitely, I think what's your budget is a great question. I just don't ask it. I'm all for any question that opens up a dialogue and creates honest communication between client and designer. Do you, when you give a client, um, a potential client, a bid, do you give them like choices? Like you could have A and do this, or you could have B at a lesser price and I will do this. It totally depends. If somebody's asking for a lot of different pieces, I'll try to itemize it so they can see how much each piece is kind of broken down. And I'll tell them my process. I usually do three concepts and then I give you three rounds of revisions. So if the price for that doesn't fit your budget, then let's talk about what your budget is and how I can work with that. Um, and it could very well be adjusting the number of revisions and, and right. number because it changes the amount of time it takes. So right. Um, all right. So how do you think being nimble and I know we're almost out of time, but how do you think being nimble and flexible has benefited you and how do you think your love of challenges has benefited you? <laughs> I feel like they have. And I do really think you have a great attitude. Thanks. I, um, every, since I don't, haven't really had a specific plan. Um, you know, when I left college, I thought I was going to go work for some big branding company in Cincinnati and work my way around the world doing design. And that's, not what happened. I just kind of have been, I guess, more nimble and flexible unintentionally because I've just kind of like taken things as doors have opened. Um, I don't, don't, like I mentioned earlier, like I don't miss an opportunity to interview, even if I think I would never want to work at a place. I always show up because it's, it's an opportunity to learn, it's an opportunity to grow um, and practice my skills at interviewing so it's probably a very selfish way to look at it because you're using somebody else's time for your own benefit but there have been times I've gone to an interview and didn't think I'd want the job at all and that that company ended up surprising me and I I took the job even though I originally thought I wouldn't want it um so I think it's again just kind of that being open to where life is going to take you and through the challenges I have, because of my connections through, I'm all about community. So through my connections through AIGA, like a lot of the challenges I've faced, I have, I don't feel alone in those challenges. I have some amazing people who I can call good friends and they have helped me uh, navigate those challenges and uh, figure out how to get through it. I think that's great. So, um, I think you do have to have a good community to be able to feel like you have a place and you can have a good sounding board for where things are. But I also think I love that you go on interviews, even when you weren't expecting that this would be a real potential for a place to work. But that means that your, your portfolio is always ready. That means that your website is always ready. And I feel like that is something that a lot of people are like, well, I just can't do it because my... So, I mean, if you, I mean, Devin, I don't, my site's been down for two no, years. No, and so, my you know, site's not updated. You say that, but I've done work over the last six, eight months, even before that, that isn't up there. I want to completely redesign my website, and I've been <laughs> talking about it for months because I'm unhappy with the way it looks, but I haven't gotten around to it. But my portfolio, my physical portfolio that I would take to an interview is always in a place where I might have to add a project or two, but it's pretty well put together at all times and I always edit that portfolio and take pieces okay. and put new pieces in just depending on who I'm going to talk to um, by trying to research that company that I'm going to talk to so that I'm not coming in with a bunch of print work if they're a digital company or or vice versa but yeah I do my best to stay 
stay ready and stay prepared at all times because you just never know when life's going to change or something's going to open up or your situation you're in now is going to be taken from you. It, it's just never know. Life's way too short. So then what about um, uh, getting pieces from work? Do you always get like 10 extra pieces or do you, I mean, digital, do you take a video of the site you've finished? Or I have had the benefit and the privilege of working for companies who order extra samples. So I have been able to take a sample or two or many. Sometimes I walk away with handfuls of those. But even with client work, if it's something, I did an invitation for a school and I requested, can you please send me samples when I, you know, when you get these printed? And they did. They sent me way more than I would ever need for my portfolio. Um, now, as I'm working um, through companies, I'll kind of, I'll keep a, a folder and any work that I've been doing, I'll just kind of like, as it gets finished, I'll, I'll folder it in there so that I can put it on my site later or put it in my portfolio later, trying to keep a running tab because there have been places too where I'm like, okay, I know I'm leaving and I've been here six years. Then all of a sudden I have to go back through six years of work and figure out which pieces that I want to take with me as opposed to kind of keeping that, that stash um, as I go about it. So it's, so I, I ask, like when I contracted for this agency over the summer, I asked going in, can I put this work in my portfolio? Um, so it's, it's something that I'd ask from the get-go because I think it's so important to be able to do that. Absolutely. So um, what about your passion projects? So um, um, me and you have had these conversations and um, why it's okay to not have something that you, that you don't have to do it every day, right? <laughs> well, and I, I think we've talked about this and I've talked about this with a lot of other people. Everybody always talks about having a side project or a passion project or, and be creating something, make things for yourself. Um, and I think that it's so important. I'm, I'm so glad people do. I don't have a passion project. I will do some hand lettering um, because it's a sort of a, a way for me to, process and use some hand skills and I love letters so I'll, I'll do it anyway but it's not something I'm devoting myself to it's not something I'm devoting building into anything I do it for myself um, so I, ha I just I like to I don't have a passion project but then like you pointed out to me in our conversations my passion project is completely different because it's not something physical that I'm creating as a designer my passion and my time goes towards the chapter of AIGA and I'm investing in growing the community as a passion project as opposed to creating products or starting a line or doing any sort of physical artwork either it's so. not yeah physical skill it's really actually it is a skill but it's also something that probably comes a little bit more natural it is you being that cheerleader it's you being figuring out how to be a leader how to be organized how to help people how to motivate them and that is what i feel like that's one of your callings and now you're you do spend a lot of time doing that i mean a lot of time as a side project doing that yeah. It is a lot of time and it's so worth it to see when the, when our community comes together, when our creatives come together for whatever purpose, it's such a motivator. Um, and I've had life things happen and have had to take a backseat to that over the last several months. And it's, it's, it's amazing to watch it continue to move forward and continue to grow. Um, even though I, have had to kind of take a back seat. And that's the, that's the, the one thing I can hope for is that what I've started at Momentum here in the creative community will continue to, to push forward and be even better than I could have dreamed it to be. So right. you might it's my passion project is yeah. the people, growing the people. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what will keep you pushing forward to an art director position somewhere because I feel like people are your passion and that is also where your strength is, mm -hmm. is helping people find their, um, their, their jam in design and help, you know, pushing them. And, and I feel like that's what you've done. You've gotten the water boiling in AIGA and now you, you have taught people how to keep the water boiling. And so it, 
that's a huge, huge passion project. <laughs> um, it might it's not be lettering. Not your typical passion project. Right. When people say have a passion project, they don't think of creating folders and timelines and operational procedures for an, uh, a chapter in a nonprofit organization, but it, yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely so, been where I've invested my time. So, so what's next? Um, and don't say Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving's tomorrow. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah. What, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? I mean, I started this job in October. Yeah, so it's been about five weeks um, at the Golf Channel now. So I'm going to glean absolutely everything I can out of this sports entertainment industry experience and being in television and see if there's opportunity for me to continue to grow um, in leadership in it, in this job. And if I find that there's not, then I'll, I don't know, I'll move on. I'm, I'm going to continue to grow in new skills even as I'm working this full-time job and doing AIGA stuff. And then we'll just see what happens. I, like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. So, so, roll with punches. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So one of the things I didn't put on the questions, but I actually think you probably are great at this, at, and I hopefully you'll be fine answering this question. Okay. If not, you can just say move on. Um, but – so sometimes I've, I've had a lot of people who recently are like trying about to leave their job, but they like their job. They don't want to say, you know, it's, it, but it's time to move on because they, they have, they're being called to do better things. So how do you, because they feel guilty about yeah. while well, I'm in the middle of a project, I really, if I give them two weeks notice, that's, you know, project won't be done. And I've had to tell people like old students, not old, but you know what, like right. alumni, that that's part of it, but it's a really uncomfortable, especially when you really like the people and you've really had a good experience. It's, it is a very hard part. Because I have, I've church tears telling people that I'm moving on to something else um, because I don't like to let people down either. And yeah. so I feel like when I'm moving on to something else, I'm leaving a hole for them, but it is part of the process. And um, I, I just, hack my way through it but there's been times where it's been a peace out I'll see you later because it's, it's a I don't really want to look back and that those times are very few and far between thankfully thankfully I've had a lot of experience where experiences where it is very difficult to have that conversation I'm I'm moving on to something else and, um, and people some you know sometimes they make it hard to to go and and that's, that's made it a great experience. But. Right. So let me share some um, links with everybody. And if my dog would just stay still for just a little bit less, pretty good for being two years old. He's, well, there's somebody on a bike, Jackson. You just totally missed it. He hates bikes. So oh. it's probably just a blessing because we would have heard. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was gonna say he's pretty quiet. Yeah, he's he's pretty good quiet little dog um all right so the and for some reason my everyone is not working good so it is her portfolio site is call me devo de devo, devo. Call me devo. <laughs> just call me devo so the last name is insane right so <laughs> so it literally just how it says so for people who are on their uh, iTunes, it's C-A-L-L-M-E-D-E-V-O.com. And then you can always follow her on Dribble, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And hopefully this will go in. But it's D-H-O-E-R-N-S-C-H, right? Yes, Dehornch. Yeah, okay. Hopefully this, yay, and it all got in. So all the links are there, and they will be under in YouTube, and they will be um, available with SoundCloud as well. So, okay. uh, and on recharging you as always. So, um, Devin, thank you so much for taking yeah. time for, um, Thanksgiving to give me some of your time. And I'm super excited because you get to come and talk to our, um, mobile chapter yeah. for our, um, AIGA portfolio review that we yeah. do. So I'm excited to come to mobile and it's March. It's March yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah, it's in March, the beginning of March, I believe. Yeah. So anyway, I'm excited about because I just feel like you have a great story, a great attitude, a great, um, but you're just super hard worker. Like, 
And I think I on, on, on passion and grit. That's, that's all I've got. Challenge <laughs> is, is minimal. It's, it's mostly passion. Well, I don't know. You're pretty, I think you're pretty talented. I think you might be selling yourself short just a little bit. But um, understandably, we, you're, you're humble, right? Humble is much better than being um, uh, arrogant. Yeah, arrogant. I knew it started with an A. That's the word. Um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the semester here, so my brain is working. Well, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, so really we're starting to think about food. <laughs> right. right. Right, exactly. Well, I just wanted to say thanks. So next week, everybody, we have um, two of the founders from Type Ed. So, Devin, you might want to uh, log back in because it's all going to be about typography and how um, going on after school, you may or may not have been taught as much as you wanted to be taught. And I know that at our school, we don't get to teach as much typography as I would like. It's just um, there's not enough time in four years to teach you everything you need to know. Absolutely. But the people from Type Ed, they have classes, they have workshops. Um, they're in California, but they do a lot of stuff online. They're going to give us a little lesson. And they asked, they asked yesterday, um, you know, what, what the uh, level of people and understanding typography was. And I said, I think we're probably, they said, should it be basic or more advanced? And I said, I think we're a more advanced audience. So I'm um, super excited. So they're going to have like a 20 minute lesson that they're going to give us next week for free, which is, I think, amazing. Cool. Um, so it's uh, Rachel Elsner and Michael Stinson. I love and they them both. They're great people. Yeah. And they, but like they are passionate, they're educators, but they're also, they really love type, not lettering, you know, it, I mean, some of it is definitely, they, they understand that and how to do that, but it's about choosing type and it's about putting things together and how much space things have. And like Rachel and I yesterday were just totally geeking out, or maybe I was just geeking out <laughs> over her about the things that I, how I teach and what you have to do. And so I'm super excited to have them both on. They'll be earbud sharing uh, next week mm -hmm. with, um, but so same time, regular time, which is two 30 Eastern, 1130 Pacific. So I hope you guys will join me back next week. And if you have any questions for me, you can always reach me at Diane at design recharge.org or Diane at recharging you.com. And then you can find all old episodes pretty much um, either on iTunes, the ones that I've uploaded or, um, and I'm continuing to upload lots because I think Devin, this is like episode 193. Yeah. 193. So I'm getting really close to 200. I think Joe, I think you are episode 200. So I'm super excited because Joe's been coming to um, design recharge for so many years and I got to meet him at the AIGA, um, Com uh, the whatever the leadership retreat um, yeah leadership retreat last year for the first time I mean I feel like I knew him because we talked so often on design research <laughs> but, um, but anyway so again if you want to follow me you can follow me on everything at design recharge and hopefully um, I'm going to be working on some new things for next uh, for the uh, probably launching in March but um, something that's new and will it's something I've been wanting to do for a while but um, it's coming in my brain better and I'm doing, I'm, the school stuff is weighing uh, less and have less of that to do. So hopefully I'll be able to boil that pot um, next. Nice. More. Very cool. Anyway, well, thank you again so much. I'm super excited you're my friend and I was stalking you way before I met you at Creative South. <laughs> I hope that I get to see you at Creative South this next year. Yeah, I'll be there. I got me to get Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. See you guys next week. Thank you so much. Bye.